Welcome back to another Bald Movies special uh, commissioned podcast event. Uh, this time, all thanks goes to the commissioner. Oh, yeah. Andrew Matt. This is his seventh uh, commissioned podcast, <laughs> unless I, I've miscounted. It's uh, it's insane. He's a commissioning uh, well, commissioning machine. We don't call him the commissioner for nothing. That's true. That's true. Uh, he had us watch, really threw us into the, the briar pit. Uh, had us watch Star Wars Empire Strikes Back. My personal favorite Star Wars. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people's. It's not a controversial opinion. <laughs> now, and, Andrew's thoughts said, I'd love to hear you guys talk about Star Wars Episode Five. He already uh, commissioned A New Hope which yeah. is episode four. And we've got that podcast on our website if you want to go look for it. Yep. I figure you guys won't need too much feedback to go off of what most would call the best Star Wars movie. Personally, I like episode six, Return of the Jedi, the best. And I'm also an unapologetic fan of the prequels, so I'm going to have more to say wow. when I get around to commissioning those, threatening us with the prequels. Uh, but for now, as always, I'm just hearing interested in hearing what you guys have to say. This is a good time to need to announce that we'll also have a podcast out the Friday that Star Wars... Episode 7 comes out, the new one. Yeah, we're going to go see it the Thursday night, and we're going we're gonna to do a Bald Movies on it, because why not? Yeah, so, yeah, I feel like uh, that'll, that'll be fun. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, take, we'll, 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 do, we'll take, we'll do one for free. Yeah, we're not going to make you commission that one, nah, Commissioner. No, um, But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. It's, it's rare to find an adult Star Wars fan who is an unabashed fan of the prequels. Um, I've got... A fairly nuanced opinion about them all, but you know that's not what this is about. This is about uh, this is about Empire Strikes Back. Why is Empire Strikes Back the greatest of the Empire of the Star Wars movies? Because uh, it gives Darth Vader a goal other than kill everything. I don't know. Mm. That's one of the things that I like about it. I, I feel like it just has more uh, directorial intent. Let's say that. Yeah, I mean it's beautiful looking. Like sure. the sets are amazing. I I just was marveling when I, I you know because I've seen this movie so many times. Like this might be the single most watched movie I've I've ever seen because when I, we discussed yeah. this growing up when I was a Me kid, too, I think Empire was my least favorite, and I you know I I saw Empire Strikes Back with my dad on opening night, and I've told the story uh-huh. a couple times. I'm going to tell it again. Uh, I had to go pee during the Luke and Vader fight. And he curses you to this day. And, and we left, we wa- stepped out of the theater about the time Vader starts flinging shit at Luke. Ugh. And we come back to the theater with Luke stepping off of the platform. And my dad is like, <laughs> what? Your dad screams, no, yeah, that's impossible. Yes. What? He's like, what the fuck? No, so did he know. He went back the next night without me <laughs> and, and, and watched it. But, uh, you know, sure. gr- growing up, because... The thing is, is like when you're a six-year-old, this movie, the good guys start off getting their ass kicked. Yep. And they continue to get their ass kicked throughout the movie. Um, you know, Han essentially is kind of dead. I mean, when when they go to rescue him on whatever docking bay in Cloud City... Well, they make it clear. So they're like... Boba Fett's like, I don't want him harmed, right? Like, sure. So they make it clear that this doesn't kill him. But certainly... When you're six year old and you see Han Solo frozen solid yeah, and he thumps yeah. like like when he thumps onto the <laughs> ground without even bouncing. It sucks, no doubt. And and also they, they kinda conditioned you, I think, to expect them to save him. They're gonna, you know, yeah. Leia and Chewie and Lando's finally got a sense and they got C three PO strapped on his back and they've they've corralled the stormtroopers and they're heading off and they're gonna get to slave one and, and interrupt things and they're just too late. <laughs> 
That's the thing. So I feel like this movie, like, yeah, it shits all over the good guys. And they barely eke out what is a minor victory, which right. is escaping with most of their lives. But Han's up in the air. But that's what we makes... We don't know where Han is. That's what makes the movie so interesting as a teenager and adult. The fact yeah, that... Yeah, so I'm, I'm of the opinion with you where when I was a kid, I think A New Hope was my favorite. Mm. Just because that has just a great arc to it, mm-hmm. right? Like, the good guys triumph in the end and everybody's happy and... Yeah. That's the thing. And it's this sense of adventure and everything that I kind of feel is not as present in these final two movies. Yeah. Uh, f- final two. What? Final two means nothing now. No. But, you know, in my mind, they're the final two of that trilogy. Sure. Um, it, so those two movies, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, A New Hope is kind of these two movies in a microcosm, right? Because New Hope, the characters just constantly get shit on until they eventually win the day. Right, yeah. And I feel like Empire Strikes Back is the constantly shit-on portion of New Hope, mm-hmm. whereas Return of the Jedi is the win-the-day portion of New Hope. They get everybody back, everybody survives, they destroy the second Death Star. Like It is essentially these two movies are a New Hope, right. repeated. Just with uh, some twists, some awesome twists, right? Like Vader being Luke's father and uh, finding out what the Emperor is up to and why they want Luke and all that right. stuff. It's it's funny because I try to think like when I was a kid and Star Wars was so big with the Kenner toys and everything, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen anything bigger. And it's hard to contest. It's hard to con- as a kid, you know. It's like I I don't know. It, like was Pokemon as big as Star Wars? Was like uh, yeah, and Harry how are Potter you as big it, right? as Star Wars? Like Harry Potter might have been bigger than Star Wars. Maybe. I mean, are you judging by dollars? Are you judging by action figures sold? I'm just judging by, by the zeitgeist of kids. And, and here's the thing where, like, yeah. in kid in kid universe, you know how – I think it's a great line in a, in a Christmas story how Ralphie says that the, you know, Christmas is the, is, is the center uh, to which the entire kid calendar revolves. Uh-huh. Like, when you're a kid, you look at things differently. And, you know, Star Wars was pre-widespread exception of video games – uh acceptance of video games uh it was pre the internet it was pre having more than four three really channels of television to watch mm-hmm. and what else was competing with it whereas right even at the height of like pokemon or harry potter there was still video games and all these other series and t- and cartoons and whatnot like this is i think still pre gi joe pre transformers so you still had like looney tunes and Woody Woodpecker, and this was just on a whole other level. Yeah, and you got stuff like, I mean, there is stuff in this genre like Battlestar Galactica, or, right. or, or I, I don't even want to go back all the way to Buck Rogers because that's kind of a different thing. But right. this looks and sounds so much better than any of that stuff. Sure. That yeah, it just felt more fully realized than some of that other stuff that was kind of looked like it was thrown together on a shoestring budget. Right. Whereas you know Star Wars kind of was. Yeah. But you're right. Empire, I think, does look a lot better. Man, Empire also is like, you know, again, was my first kind of like I was because I was I was uh, a year old when Star Wars came out mm-hmm. and I'd seen it like I, I know I saw Star Wars a few times on my uncle's Betamax machine. Um, but Empire is the first movie, I think. Uh, first adult movie that I saw at the theater, especially at first, certainly the first one on opening night. I remember waiting in line like, you know, the small the single screen theater at Mooresville for the first time I can ever remember had a line out the front door for that first <laughs> showing. And it was a packed yeah. house. And I know the summer of like 80 and 81, uh, every day my cousins and I would drag a hose out to my sandbox 
fill that fucker full of water and play Dagobah. Okay. And then when eighty when when eighty three eighty four rolled around, we did the same thing. Took the hose out, dug a big pit, in the, and it was Sarlock pit. Uh-huh. Like that's I it literally all we did for like four years, man, was Star Wars. Like it was. We lived in the uh, our houses all butted up against a big field. When it was harvest time, we'd go out there and grab the biggest corn stalks we could, and it's lightsaber time. <laughs> Beat the shit out of each other until they break and go get another one. Sure, like it's it it was just the biggest part of my childhood. Probably the biggest part of my teenage years too. Yeah, yeah. Because Definitely. again, you know, we talked about the science fiction exception as as you know in our religion that we could kind of like this is kind of violent and there's kind of magic arguably and honestly i don't know why i don't know why my mom didn't put her foot down except for i really do believe she felt that if she said no no star wars this is just space magic this is space wizards <laughs> that i would have been like fuck this shit i'm out like uh-huh. that would have been the straw that broke the camel's back like no i ain't nah nah i'll give up christmas halloween you take star wars from me yeah fuck well, you that's, lady that's the problem right like everybody was so into it that you just like if one parent tried to stand up and say, nope, sorry, kid, you can't see this. Well, A, not going to happen. They're going to see it anyway because yeah. all of their friends are into it. And B, they'd be the only kid in the Kingdom Hall not talking about Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it, it would just ostracize that kid immediately. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the same thing. Like, you know, everything's all like uh, you can't have you can't have pagan origins and stuff. You can't mm-hmm. clink your glasses at a wedding can't throw rice you can't do all this other bullshit witnesses do have wedding rings and my theory was always because the sisters would just fucking revolt if you said you just know there's no wedding rings or or whatnot so there's like yeah star wars fell in that kind of exception where there just have been a mass child revolt if they said no star wars so yeah and that's the thing i I mean you you already have taken sex away from teenagers yes you can't smoke yes you can't really go to parties or anything now and, you're going to take Star Wars. Get and that was such a great exception because it, it encompassed so many video games. Like the That's very true, first yeah. Star Wars video game I can remember playing was the Empire Strikes Back on the Atari 2600. And it was a bomb ass game, man. Hmm. It was you. It's like a side scroller like Defender that kind of wrapped around. And these AT-ATs would march across this field. And if they got to the end of one screen. You your base would blow up and you had a. Uh, you had a snow speeder that, like, you know, controlled like uh, Defender, and you just went around and you tried to kill these AT-ATs before they got to the, the base. And every like thousand points, you got the Force, which it played the do 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 do, and you were invincible, and you just go nuts. It was hmm. I I don't know how many hours I played that stupid game. Is one one level? The only thing that ever changed is the AT-AT walkers got faster and the background color changed. <laughs> Sounds like an Atari game. Yeah, no, it's. I'm just telling you, like comic books, books, movies. Super Nintendo games were good too. The Super Nintendo games still hold up pretty well. Like that was one of the when I started my son out in his video game career, I kind of took him chronologically. I had a PlayStation Two at the time and a computer, and I got like the old Midway Classics disc that had like Mm -hmm. Joust and Burger Time and uh, Defender, and I started him out with that, and then when he got able to handle that we started you know super mario brothers we played through all of the super star wars games yeah those they are still hold up like i i still they think do. they're all super fun empire is probably the best one of those platformers too. yeah now that i think about it yeah and there was a nes game that i don't remember playing at all but there was a star wars nintendo game yeah how did i not have it i don't know there's a lot of disappointments yeah. too along the way like i remember like lucasarts 
I love them so much for their X-Wing and TIE Fighter series, but yeah. they had like a Yoda adventure, like a, <laughs> like a top-down thing uh-huh. where you had to move them around on a map and do some shit that was some, some major league bogus stuff. I got burnt a couple times mm-hmm. on Star Wars video games. Uh, and I got burnt many more times. We just got burnt both of us to the tune of one hundred twenty dollars of Star Wars Battlefront. <laughs> Battlefront, right? yeah, not as, not super great. But it, as as it shipped, it's kind of a hot mess. The thing is, it you know you feel like you're playing Star Wars. You do, and I like that. You do until you're playing Walker Assault, and the first Walker goes down in the stereotypical ass up, head down position. Mm-hmm. The second Walker collides and mounts with the first Walker, and then becomes invincible. <laughs> and everyone sits around for forty five minutes laughing because the game is stuck because the two one at at Walker is is fucking the dead corpse of its brother and can't be damaged, and it's yeah. just it's general melee. That's us uh, nice, but. Yeah, um, we've gotten far afield. We have, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. As, as far as the trilogy goes, this is definitely my favorite. It's the most mature one. Like, yeah. it doesn't have... It's also the one that's most untouched by the um, the, 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 the Lucas edits. meddling. Yeah. Like, really, the, I think some of the things, the, the pacing is hurt a little bit. Like, um, you know, they threw stuff, some stuff in the Cloud City just, just cause. But for the most part, uh, all of the changes just essentially updated the already spectacular special effects. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with the stuff they did in Cloud City. I felt like, you know, having an establishing shot of them flying in with a bunch of other ships flying around works. I, 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 mean, I thought that this establishing shots is about 20 seconds too long now. Oh, okay. So that's what I mean by the pacing. And it's like... It's hard to hurt the pacing this movie because it's it just it's it's doesn't stop. Like when it does stop, it's it's to deliver a pretty important emotional beat to the movie. Yeah. Uh this is also the, you know, I think I've maybe said this already, but the most mature Star Wars mm-hmm. not in just because the bad guys win. Um but, you know, there's a lot of depth to like what Luke's doing and is he making the right decisions and oh, yeah. Leia uh start to fall in love. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of nuance, I think, in this movie. Um, and and as a kid, there's a like problematic father son relationship in, introduced. Sure, yeah, a problematic brother sister relationship <laughs> introduced. <laughs> Uh yeah, that's another are... first for me. I remember uh, when I first got on because sensibly he knows right. Yeah, he knows now. Yeah, like he kind of always knew is what he says. Yeah, like I was around for some of the first Photoshop Fridays on like the Something Awful forums, uh-huh. and like one of the first couple ones they had, I can't remember what it was, but it was some kind of Star Wars bastardization. And the funniest one by far was the picture of Leia kissing Luke. Mm-hmm. And they photoshopped Obi Wan in the background with like his lips pursed, like "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, <laughs> and it just tickles because, like, you know, clearly Obi Wan's yeah. always watching over Luke or there at uh, some level. And what must he think with a full? There's he was I, on the can. Here's I mean, the other he, he thing: couldn't come in in time. I don't buy that Lucas knew that Luke and Vader were going to be father and son in A New Hope. I sure as hell don't buy that he knew that Luke and Leia were going to be sisters in Empire. Brother, which, sister, yeah. Which which is kind of... Yeah, they said sisters. Whatever. Well, you know, Mark Hamill's got that feathered hair. It's, uh, it's tough to tell sometimes. He's, True. He's, he's a pretty man. Uh, <laughs> although, that's another topic we could talk about. Oh, oh, I want to talk about it. I just read an article about it. I Years after the fact, um, I found out that the one of the reasons the Wampa mauls Luke in the Hoff the the Hoff introductory sequence, yeah, um, was because Mark Hamill got into a car wreck, and they were worried that 
people would be like, what's wrong with your face, man? Mm-hmm. If they didn't uh, give an on-screen rationale for it to be kind of fucked up. But having said that, I don't really think anyone would have been like, what's wrong with your face? His face was fine. His face is totally fine. And I I, I read this big, long article. There's an article um, on, I think it's Sean something's blog um, called Face Off, the the squirrely legend of Mark Hamill's car crash, basically trying to do research into this and figure out when the crash happened, yeah. how bad it was, uh, and some other stuff, like what he was driving, who cares. I mean, uh, you definitely can see there is some scarring. And, like, there's a Minor, bit... like, so minor that I almost can't tell in a lot of scenes. And I do think that this, there's a slight difference in the shape of his nose. It's so slight. It is, yeah. Like... Agreed. If someone didn't tell you, hey, that guy got in a car crash mm-hmm. and they had to do some kind of reconstructive stuff on his mm-hmm. face, you wouldn't know. But I just wonder, what was I like for Mark Hamill? Has he ever talked about that? Like, they show up at work like, oh, Mark, we're going to have to write a scene where you just get – your face gets mauled because you look like a fucking <laughs> piece of chewed up gum. Well, that was the thing. What the so, hell, man? He doesn't really remember the car crash. He remembers he remembers crashing the car. And the next thing he remembers is waking up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And floating they, in a back to tank. Floating sure. in a back to tank. 2-1-B is plugging shit in. and Yeah, which I you know, I never understood the scarring on his face, given that they have the back to tank. He mm-hmm. seems like that could fix anything. Yeah. And they can reconstruct his fucking hand yeah. down to the cellular level, well, practically. You want him to have a droid face? Sure. Have a droid <laughs> nose. I don't care. Uh, but he, he basically said, I don't remember it. I woke up in the hospital. They gave me a mirror, and I was like, oh, my God, my acting career is over. Mm-hmm. So that makes it sound... Super horrible. But then he also talks about how they had to take some cartilage from his ear, mm. I guess, to reconstruct the part of his nose that was broken. Okay. But if you look at his ears, they're fine. I mean, okay. it's not like Mark Hamill has not a nose shape, ears. Like a, like a cookie cutter nose shape is taken out of his ear. Yeah. And like, really, <laughs> how much cartilage can you take from an ear without going, oh my God, that guy's ear is fucked up, right? I don't know. What's wrong with your ear? So the the damage on his nose couldn't have been that bad. He I said wonder, they, they like built on his existing scar. Because you think of the way the pre-production on the show had to work. I wonder if like they saw him not fully healed and were like, oh, fuck. We got to write something in. And then by the time when he reported this filming, it's like, well, shit, we've already got this kind of cool sequence. And I guess it happened in like January of 77, Really? So, like, after the original so, yeah, was shot... probably said, at least two years to heal up. Yeah, they were doing, like, some pickup shots after the major uh, principal filming, photography, whatever. And then, yeah, I mean, three years between that and when the second movie comes yeah. out. As a child, I had no... I, I had no... Like, to me, Luke is Luke. He's always Luke. Yeah, and who cares? I mean... Yeah. Ultimately, sure. I mean, if you want to say they needed something in the story to explain it, fine. They have it in there, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and it doesn't detract from anything. No. I don't care. Uh, I don't know. Like the Tauntauns. I, you mentioned that the Tauntauns are the one thing that looks a little archaic. The claymated sort of look. But on the yeah. other hand, I think they're also the pinnacle of that kind of stop motion stuff. And they are my, good. To, yeah. to me, to my eyes, the, the Adat Walkers and the, uh, the Tauntauns, the snow lizards that the rebels ride around to get around on Hoth just look perfect like i wouldn't i would hate for lucas to go in and digitally remake them yeah i wouldn't want that because like the dewbacks from (laughs) the 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 first movie like i just watched me and my son are doing a star wars like we're watching one a weekend counting down up into next you know the 18th when we're gonna go see star wars um 
but yeah, I was noticing like how just ghastly the dobacks looked and how poorly the animation of stormtroopers riding them was. And I'm like, yeah. man, if he'd have, if he'd have fucked up the tauntauns like that, that would be terrible. Those are some of my favorite toys. Like, yeah. you know, you've got two of them on your damn shelf there. They, uh, the, their, their feet plug into their back. So it looks like they're really riding them. I think there was an, yeah. I want to say there was one where it had its, you know, soft rubber on the belly. You could actually fake cut it open and stuff <laughs> leak inside. That's sweet. Um, my net, my, my cousin speaking of, uh, got for that Christmas, uh, in 80, 1980, he got an AT-AT Walker mm. and it was, I was so jealous. I bet. So jealous because I never had anything that cool and that big. And it was like, a, I think it cost like a hundred dollars yeah. in 19, 1980s dollars. And as, as I mentioned, we played Degelbaugh a lot. One time, the AT-AT Walker got left outside and it rained, and none of the electronics worked because yeah. if you didn't know, there's so you could that, that there's a big side hatch you could you could get your hand into, and there was like a little puppet thing where you could you could move its head up and down, left and right, and there was two different triggers that it would actually have hmm. artic- the, the the little chin mounted things would go back and forth and light like up cannons, yeah, yeah, and it was fucking cool, and it never did the choo 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 after we left it outside, and his yeah. My aunt was pissed. What man? If you buy your kid a toy like that, you know they're gonna break it. I get no. I, I'm I'm with you. Like if you buy like you like you know my son. Uh, uh, if I buy him a tablet and he's five years old and I let him go outside with it and he, he drops it on a pavement, I fucked up. I yeah. should have grabbed it yeah. out of his grimy little hands and carried it until he got to the car. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. At some point, you got to be like the hundred dollar toy you took outside. Where is it? Like if, sure. if you, you can't blame the kid, but it's funny because I think uh, I was I got in trouble with her sometime in like the sixth grade, and that fucking ad at was mentioned in the argument. Oh, uh, this again! Like it was my like how is it <laughs> my fault? Yeah, uh, it got left at my house, but I'm not like I'm not running an ad at rescue agency, lady. <laughs> like I don't find some you know it's like fuck. Wow, you're the one who bought the toy. Son yeah, bitch. Yeah, uh, which is a cooler toy, the ad at or the Millennium Falcon? Well, my cousin had both, and oh, I had what neither. a spoiled brat. I had so I I had the X wing, which is fucking cool. Uh-huh. It had the S foils that locked in attack position, and also very cool. You hit the R two D two, and they flung open, and also you could push a button, and little the the, the nose would light up, like the cannons come from the nose, and that always bugged me as a child because like. The lasers come from the tips of the wings, yeah. man. Look, look, you can Where see the, the cannons. The cannons mounted. Are, uh-huh. It's like, what is this, the Knight Rider version of the X Wing? Um, I, I don't know. I feel like we had more fun at the AT-AT Walker because it was a much more rugged toy. You could take it out in a sandbox. And whereas this Millennium Falcon, you peel the top off, you can sit him at the chess table. There's you, you can't really fly it around because you turn it upside down and all the shit falls off of it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So like the AT-AT Walker hmm. got a lot more play. And you, you know, okay. it's like I I don't know how many times we staged the whole like we took it out in the snow. Like that's like living in Indiana. When it snowed, we were awaiting. Like as soon as it yeah. snowed, it's like, all right, get all your shit. <laughs> I had like I had I had a snowspeeder that was pretty cool. We nice. must have staged the Luke get, crashing a snowspeeder and climbing up in the belly and fucking that ad ad up so many times, <laughs> and it never cool. got old. Never got old. Sure. Uh, uh, as a pilot, let's let's say this because I'm thinking of this while I'm watching the series uh, and this movie in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a pilot, which ship would you take? Let's let's say. The fighters, the rebel fighters and the imperial fighters. 
so we're ruling out the Millennium Falcon, which is obviously the coolest. Okay. Of anything. Yeah. If you could, if you could own and apparently one ship the fastest and, and it has own, a hyperdrive, you, that's the one. If you could own one ship in a Star Wars universe, ninety percent of the nerds out there would say the Millennium Falcon, and the other ten percent are wrong. Yes. <laughs> um. So if I, I'm, I'm judging this more by. Because if you're going for iconic and cool, probably the X-Wing. But from my long experience with X-Wing and TIE Fighter and X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, I find it hard to beat the A-Wing. It was fast. It sweet. Had yeah. concussion missiles, so it was good. It was decent for taking out large capital ships, but it was also just aces at dogfights. You could make it the fat, almost the fastest ship in the game. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, like uh, for the... the uh, the Imperials, I like the the Tie Defender. That was just basically okay. the God Mode ship. It wasn't yeah, yeah. in any of the. It's like faster than everything. Yeah, it's it more was, maneuverable. It was goofy looking, but man, it was a it was a uh, it was a bomb ship. You couldn't stop it. That's the uh, that's what Darth Vader's ship is based on, right? So that's the, the Tie Defender. The, that's the modified. Tie Advanced. Uh, the but he tie, has his own special. Version yeah, yeah. Of no, it. the the tie interceptor is the one that's kind of based on his. And then I guess the okay. they took two Darth, three Darth Vader wings and put them at sixty degree angles from the tie fighter and called that the tie defender. Okay, so it's kind of like a bastardization of those those two. And they might I've have always, inverted the wings too. I've always really liked the look of the Imperial shuttle. Oh like yeah, Darth Vader shuttle. Sure. It's fucking awesome. I just like that tri-wing configuration. And I think that they put that in Empire Strikes Back, that scene of him marching slowly back to his ship, uh-huh. which I think actually improves the pacing somewhat of the final battle and gives it gives Vader's story more time to breathe. Like, his reaction. Like, this is yeah. kind of... That was the cool thing about this movie is... Uh, that Or the, the special edition of it, anyway, is that you really get the idea that this was kind of a mind fuck for Vader, too. Yeah, so I guess what I don't understand, because, like, Vader is kind of defeated at the end, right? Like, he's sort told of? he's told his son that he's his father. Uh, his son got away or is killed. I assume that he knows his son is not yeah, dead. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think they make that pretty clear on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Uh, and then, so he just kind of says, hey, I'm defeated. Why does he give Boba Fett Han Solo? Couldn't he use Han Solo to lure Luke back? Um, he's just going to start from scratch again? Well, first of all, that tells you kind of... Like, there's a reason why everybody thinks uh, Boba Fett is a badass, other than the fact that he looks cool uh-huh. and that he j- jumps into the Sarlacc pit. That's the biggest problem. Jumps. Uh-huh. Second biggest problem I have with Return of the Jedi is the fact that they kind of throw away Boba Fett on a sight gag. Yeah, totally. Um, and betray his character at the same time, right? But like- Vader doesn't fuck with Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Like, Vader's not going to pull this pray I don't alter the deal shit because Fett might just fuck you up. Yeah, maybe. It, it might take him several years, uh, but but I feel like that Boba Fett, if he put his mind to it, might be able to really be a thorn in Vader's side. The way that Lando, like, he has open contempt for, like, Lando and all of his inferior officers and just yeah. about anyone that disappoints him. And I think that was the really powerful moment is he's so wrapped up in this thing with him and Luke that when Luke gets away, he's not even mad. Mm-hmm. He's just like lost in thought about like, wow, I met my son for the first time. He's actually a bigger threat than I thought. Uh, that's scary, but I'm also kind of proud. And, you know, he's fighting on the right side. And I remember what that's like. You know, there's there's a lot of really cool baggage, and kind of the prequels have made that a little bit better. Okay, 
they could have made it even better. Oh yeah. Okay. No, no. All I'm right. just saying that like the knowledge of Anakin Skywalker. But, and yeah. You know, being shown, you know, uh, kind of a, a half-assed version of his uh, innate goodness and trying to do the right thing, I think, makes some of these scenes yeah. a bit more impactful. Here's the other awesome thing that the prequels do to this movie is, in my mind, they make this relationship that Obi-Wan and Yoda have much more understandable. And like, also you a see lot... a lot of... You know, butting of heads in the prequels of those sure. two, but also a lot of mutual respect, right? Yeah. They are both Jedi Masters by the end of this, and and they're kind of on equal footing, and that's why, even though Yoda is kind of the Jedi Master that we all think of when we think Jedi Master, that's why he's listening to Obi-Wan about training Luke. Yeah. Because he has respect for the guy, and he knows that he's just as good. Yeah, I think that, I wouldn't say it makes it more understandable, I'd say it really deepens the appreciation for... Okay. The scam they're running on on Luke. Yeah, let's talk about this. And the long stakes, con. because like, like we, shit. we, you know, the way the prequels went down, Yoda and Ben Kenobi at either the height of their powers, or they ain't getting any younger or more skilled. Let's put it that way. So maybe sure. Yoda's height, his prime was two hundred years ago. Whatever. Yeah, he's still a badass. Them at their height could not take down uh, Darth Vader and Slash Emperor. Anakin Scott. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And now Vader is kind of at the height of his powers, and I know there's a whole expanded universe that, like, actually Vader... I mean, it's arguable that they did take down Vader. Well... I mean, Obi-Wan could have put a saber through him and That's what a lot of the the extended universe would like you to believe, is that uh, since your connection to the Force is governed by, you know, your midichlorians and how much... Yeah, yeah, your Your physical being, like, droids can't have the Force, as far as I, I think... Um, that Vader get losing half of his body mass and being so horribly scarred severed a large portion of his connection to the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know the Emperor kind of also got fucked up in his his showdown with the Jedi and Yoda, uh, which I also don't like. I really don't <laughs> like. I like I like I like the idea of the Emperor being just completely wizened and eaten up, like he drank the wrong cup, he drank from the wrong yeah, grail, yeah. just from his sheer evilness. I don't like the fact that his facial deformities are essentially force burns. No, I see, when I was watching the original trilogy, I always thought that the Emperor was just eaten away by the dark side. Yeah, and who knows what he could really do if he unleashed, but it wouldn't be like yeah. crazy lightsaber calisthenics, it would be just unimagined, like rip a planet out of orbit. That's yeah. the other thing. Like, I don't like... Like, it was cool to see Yoda jumping around and doing all this lightsaber stuff, but <laughs> uh, I can't I can't be the only person disappointed that the battle between Palpatine and Yoda was throwing big things at each other and, and, and using lightsabers. It was a less interesting version of the... Yeah. Of, 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 the, of, the, uh, of the Darth Vader versus Luke Skywalker fight that's in this here movie. Okay. I agree. Uh, what do you like about the fight scene? I like how good it looks. I like the lighting. I like the way that they use the set. And oh, stage my everything. God. First of all, is this the best set that's ever this, been? This might be the best set. The carbon freezing yeah. set is fucking amazing. It is just yeah. so cool. It looks like it, the, like it's like like Tron and Dante's Inferno had a baby. <laughs> and this is what it is, but it's it's got it's it's just great. Yeah. I can't say enough good about it. And I feel like that this the reason this is one of the greatest. Although I don't know that 
my personal all-time favorite best sequence of lightsaber battles is when Vader taunts Luke in Return of the Jedi about this, the sister thing. And Luke just fucking comes unglued and beats the old man down. Like that okay. is uh, that from is, an emotional that is in my mind the yeah. emotional from storytelling from everything. This I think is a close runner up, but if you take it from the entire fight, I think yeah. it might be better because there's a clear story. Vader's coming in and taunting. He's just one handing Luke and just just bulldogging him. Uh, he's kind of toying with him. At one point, he starts to realize that Luke is a bit more formidable. Mm-hmm. And then at one point, Luke actually scores a hit on his shoulder. And then Vader loses his goddamn mind. And <laughs> yeah, he escapes being frozen by the sure. carbonite, car- carbonite and then strikes Vader. Which is impressive. Most impressive. Yes. Uh, but, but yeah, like, and I like the fact that that's mirrored in the, the final, that, that Luke gets angry and slices his old man's hand off the way that his old man gets angry and slices his arm off. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I like, mean, action-wise, of course, it's not nearly the best, but... You know, a plot what twist, that's the thing. Like, I cannot I cannot evaluate as an adult what it must have been like in 1980 to find out that, you know, Darth Vader, who's this iconic villain, and he looks... I mean, I think this is the, this is the best Darth Vader movie. Yeah, so it's super interesting. Like, the, the plot twist here, you know, I am your father, um, is, is interesting on a couple of levels. A, it's a huge plot twist. B you're wondering how much of this man is even left, right? Like this. And is it true? Okay. Just because Vader says I'm your father, this guy, I mean, I've seen him blow up planets. I've seen him strangle people for no damn reason at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the reason I go with it, um, is a, because I know it's true, but B Luke kind of knows it's true. And you can kind of see that in his reaction. He's like, search your feelings. You know, it to be true. And he does. And he goes, nah, and he he jumps off the fucking thing. Right? Like, so, In my mind, that's Luke admitting, yes, this is true, and I knew it. Yeah. Um, but I, I see what you're saying. He could be lying. But the third thing is, like, how much of this man is left? Like, can can whatever is left of this truly feel any emotion? Like, Vader has always been a fucking scary guy and kind of emotionless through the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, what does that mean to him? Is he using it just as a trick, a tool to get Luke sure. on his side? Does he sure. actually mean, like... Does he have some kind of familial connection I want to rule together with you? Especially since he's he's been playing mind games with Luke the whole the whole fight anyway. That's true, yeah. So it's like, yes, even if this is true, what does it mean to him? Yeah. That's a whole other thing to And there's to, some kind of I get some kind of monstrous, like otherworldly feeling from that, where this half mean? robot, half man is like telling you that he has a familial connection. It's very strange. Yeah. It's like when when Robocop tells you that. What does that mean? Sure. So I I don't know. I thought that was like a layer that is just weird. Just gives me a weird feeling when I see it. Uh, no, but going so in the first movie, Darth Vader feels like he is a Luca Brasi kind of enforcer of the Empire. Yeah. yeah. Where in this, because like you know, generals and admirals and moths are get blowing him shit and kind of making fun of him and scoffing mm-hmm. at his suggestions. This movie, there's only one person that takes him less than seriously, and he's choked out in the second scene. Uh, Adm- Admiral, <laughs> Admiral Ozzel. Like, what the fuck he's is going Admiral on with Admiral Ozzel? Admiral Asshole, let's Like, call what him. has to be wrong with you that you're like, oh, my lord, I'm going to consen- yep. condescend to you and try to pretend to tell you your business and blah, blah, blah. Like, man, hasn't word gotten around? You're on Darth Vader's personal flagship, which, by the way, the, ex- the executor... Mm-hmm. 
one of the coolest ships of all time. Because if you think, sure. if you thought like, oh my god, these Imperial Star Destroyers are fucking huge. How much bigger than can they get? Look at the Death Star. Then you see the Executor and the the so called Super Class Star Destroyer, and it's like. 11 times bigger than a regular Star Destroyer? It's insanely huge. Like, it could pull one of those Star Destroyers in its belly the same way that the original Star Destroyer pulled in that Corellian blockade runner. The, the Tantive IV. The sure. Tantive IV, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can go online and look at, like, comparison charts. Sure. And uh, comparison images. They're, it's mind-blowingly huge. And it's still, like, the super-class star, super Star Destroyer is still, if you go to any of those, like, you can find these images where it's, like, comparison of all the great science fiction ships with like uh you know to scale and you can see their silhouettes it's still the star destroyer and super class maybe there's a ship bigger or or the halo installation or the ring world but you got to get that kind of level before the idea that this is a a ship of the line that this in this galactic empire is just rolling out and it's not even the only one that they've got is kind of mind-boggling all to itself yeah, I, like running the empire must be a logistical nightmare. I just like yeah. if you think that running the military here, sure, on in one country of the planet Earth takes a lot of logistics. I thought about it like <laughs> it's kind of like they see planets as cities. I mean, that's that's sure. literally yeah. true with Coruscant, but uh-huh. when they blow when they blow up Alderaan, that's kind of like firebombing Dresden or dropping a nuke on Hiroshima. It's like we're sending a okay. message. Uh, but this loss of this planet is not going to really significantly dent, you know, it's going to horrify the people yeah. that live there, but nobody else is going to really do much more than raise an eyebrow and, and debate it in military ethics class. Sure. A New Hope definitely has the most deaths of any of the Star I Wars movies. I think so. No other planets are blown up, so. I mean, Obi-Wan soft-pedaled it when he said millions of voices crying out. I mean, that should have been a I billion, so, yeah. if not a, a T, not a, if not a trillion. I would imagine. Uh, but I no. Vader's large and in charge this whole time. He's dra- talking directly to the Emperor. He's ordering his commanders to go into an asteroid field. Uh, I love the scene that a lot of people miss when Vader's addressing his uh, captains, and after he's told them to go into the the, the asteroid belt and did not the, he doesn't give a shit about the losses. There's a scene where one of the star destroyers takes an asteroid right to its the command deck, its, yeah. its command deck, and explodes. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to Vader talking to these guys, and you see one of the holograms like throw his hands <laughs> up in a defensive position, and then he winks out of existence. Yeah, it's so it's so cool, man. That's a nice little touch. Yeah, you got to imagine like. And it's like if this if this is what's happened to Star Destroyers, my God, the Millennium Falcon, what chances does it have? I mean, here's so here's why I think Admiral Ozzel is such a dumbass talking back to Vader. Like we see in you know, the Bespin scene where yeah. he's he's inviting Han and Leia and Chewie and whoever uh, maybe C three PO at that point? No, not C three PO. He's still in pieces. Up. It's yeah. Lando, Chewie. And Leia, Leia and Han, and Han, right? Okay. He invites them all to dinner or lunch, whatever. Yeah. And Han immediately opens fire, blasts him a few, tries to blast him a few times, and he just blocks him with his hand. With his bare hands. Bare He's hands. Catching now, they're, laser they're, probably, bare hands. they're probably metal. Uh, I don't remember which limbs or whatnot he had burnt off, but sure. probably metal hands, whatever. Once you see that a few times, you don't fuck with Vader, right? Yeah. You know this is not the first time he's had to put some some rebellion down like yeah in the ranks there's no way ozzel's even the first admiral is like i imagine i imagine we've seen it serving on the executor is like the fast track to promotion like okay. you sign yeah. in as a lieutenant and you're like the commodore by the next week because it's like the enterprise of 
the other federation. Well, not right? only that, but yeah, like fifty dudes above you get killed every week because they piss off Vader. Uh huh. It's just attrition. It's like Captain, hopefully you're an admiral. Now. Hopefully, you can, yeah. Hopefully, you can get to admiral and then transfer off. Yes. Get your own ship. I, I want to stop at Captain Vader. Yeah. I want to be captain. I want to have my own ship, and I'm done. Although that don't save you if your name's Nita, because that's, that's the other thing. Yeah. Like Nita didn't do anything wrong. No, Han he just, just delivered bad news. He right? just delivered bad news that Vader didn't want to hear, and you got your windpipe choked out for it. And that's what I mean. Like, Admiral Ozzel, what are you doing, man? I don't know. He's, I mean, he's played as a fool, and it's, you wonder how in the hell he even got to that position in the first place under Vader's yeah. fleet. Uh, maybe he's just that prideful and, and stupid. Maybe. But, yeah. Um, we should talk about Yoda. Okay. Uh, Yoda is, to this day, as convincing in his way as Gollum is. Uh, in the Lord of the Rings movies. I like at, totally at no agree. point, even when I can tell he's a puppet, mm-hmm. like when he's shambling off in the distance or stuff, or, you know, even when I can tell he's a puppet, uh, between the, 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 the artistry to win into making a puppet and Frank Oz and their other pu- puppeteers working together, like the fact that he can go from daffy old kook Mm-hmm. To like stern Jedi master and the facial expression Oz is able to get out of that r- rubber yeah. just by changing the position of his fist inside its head is unreal. I agree. Like he uh, can stick out his uh, bottom lip and he can and it, it I it's still <laughs> astonishing. And it's like, yeah, puzzling how badly they fucked it up in the Phantom Menace. Honestly, why not keep the puppet? I don't, yeah. I don't get it. Like, I get it. You want to try an all-digital Yoda, and you know you want him to have a bunch of whirling dervish-type fights in the future. Yeah. But you got to put it on st- and, and see that the puppet you got – well, he was a puppet in the, the prequel. It was just a the, really shitty puppet. The first one? Wasn't he still a puppet, like, when he's sitting down uh, in the Jedi Council? I don't. I don't recall that. Hmm. You might be right, but I don't. I don't remember. I, just, I, I assumed he was always CG in those. I just know that because the... I know they altered the CG, didn't they? Like the first movie, they were like, "Ah, the CG's not quite good enough," and then they went back in the second and redid it. They might. Well, yeah. I mean, or Yoda, enhanced it. Yoda whatever. looks more like Yoda in the. He doesn't still quite look yeah. like Empire Strikes Back Yoda, but you know, he's and that's the other thing. Sure, he's sure. like, you can't write it off. He's thirty years younger. What does that even mean when you're nine hundred right? years old? Yeah. Like, uh, do you, you more of your when air? Eight hundred and seventy years old, you it's become. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, that. Look much better, you will. I don't, yeah. Uh, it's uh, much your hair I grown in the last thirty years. <laughs> that's the last thirty years of uh, whatever species Yoda's life. That's when the the hair just starts shooting out their ears. Oh, it's all downhill from eight seventy. They get wrinkly and and, and gross. But uh, I just I love my probably my favorite part of this movie is. Yoda's character. Sure. I love, like, I know it's, you know, a, an Asian archetype, Asian cinema archetype of, you know. The, the wizened old master. Yeah, the master who doesn't look like a master at first. But mm-hmm. it just, like, this was maybe the first time I had encountered it. Mm-hmm. And it works so well because Yoda is such a buffoon. And you see the entire time that he's he's testing Luke. Yeah, he's not wonder... just there, like, trying to disguise his identity. Yeah. he's He's giving him tests. And I think that's the most interesting part is the way that he and Obi-Wan both are kind of testing him and potentially sending him down a path that he either wouldn't have chosen or would have been easier. Oh yeah. No, I, I think that I, I think, uh, first of all, I wish I could go back in time and see how this played for the first time. Like at what point was the average audience like, Oh yeah, this is totally 
Yoda is the Jedi Master. Yeah, because you see a you know you see. I think a, it only becomes you see clear a, when a he Jim talks. Henson puppet in the movie, and I don't think people would assume that he is the Jedi Master. Mm-hmm. But at some point, when he says, "Oh yeah, I know him. Take you to him." Uh, that's I, I. I just wonder, like, when the average movie uh, audience picks up on the fact that Yoda is a Jedi Master, and that's impossible to do. I guess I could have. Um, I guess I could do that experiment with my son now. But how do you ask that question? Like, because if that's the thing, is like he already knows who Yoda is. Like, it's can you can't find a culturally pure person that's to true, like you yeah. have no knowledge of Star Wars, right? You don't even know that Yoda is this Jedi Master with a lightsaber. Uh-huh. Uh, is so it's like yeah I don't I don't know how you you, you do it but I'm, that's the thing I was endlessly fascinated watching this with like a really critical eye I was like man how did all this stuff play back in the day like I you know everyone talks about Luke versus Vader like it is the spoiler you know that is the yeah. mind blowing thing so I guess it played pretty well but still it's little stuff like the Yoda stuff yeah but I think the path so we were discussing this while we were watching the movie kind of the the path that that Obi Wan and Yoda are sending him down is Yoda just wrong about like you know you you can't well, go save your friends and all this stuff like he's he's telling him clearly to to continue his training yeah i don't and i but don't in know the that end, i haven't kind of does all the things that yoda said he couldn't do um the thing is cuz i was trying to entertain the notion that maybe this was all reverse psychology on yoda like okay um but i came to the conclusion that yoda is just kind of wrong because we leave uh, when when he goes off to Bespin, Yoda and Obi Wan aren't like glad that worked. We fucking tricked him into doing the thing we wanted to do. Uh-huh. Obi Wan's like that boy was the last hope, and Yoda's like, nope, there's another. Like he's kind of writing Luke off. It's true, yeah. So uh, I, I'll ask you. I'll do you one better. What happens if Luke goes into that cave with no weapons? Uh so. I, we also were discussing this. I, I feel like maybe he has a discussion with his father that would have enlightened him a little bit more and prepared him better to deal with this news or to do what he needed to do in fighting Vader. Because like maybe maybe because Luke draws first, right? Luke sees Luke Darth draws Vader, first, he draws but, his but, saber. But Vader attacks first, yeah. It's true, yeah. So it's kind of like I, th- I think so, but it's remember. it's one of those things where it's it's you know again this is kind of Eastern philosophy, but. If Luke was the type of person not to take the weapons in the cave, then he wouldn't dash off. He wouldn't not listen to his master and dash off to save his yeah, friends. Like there's he is too. who he is, and there's no way he can get out of what he is. Mm-hmm. And you know, this kind of goes into the interesting thing about Luke and him being the actual. Uh, that is is Luke the chosen one, or is Anakin the chosen one? Because the end result of the return of the Jedi is presumably that balance has been returned to the force. And that, one of the things yeah, that's key. One of the things I've thought pondered after watching the prequels is that it looks like the Jedi were, were kind of unbalanced themselves. Yeah. There were a lot more Jedi than Sith for sure. There always are. Well, not only that, but just <laughs> the way they lived their life without any attachment, without any love and desire. Like those are things that I think Luke had in spades and they were what ultimately allowed him to carry the day. Like, Hmm. Vader's love for his son and Luke's love for his friends and for his redeemed father is what allowed them to win. So the Jedi with all their yeah. no attachment and anti-love bullshit were as imbalanced in their own way as the Sith. I think you're right. And maybe it's not like a good verse 
good like a sith versus jedi maybe it's more of like what is a jedi yeah like and that's the balance that needs to be brought back like luke you know in the return of the jedi he's casually force choking people and you know doing some things that you would associate with the dark side but Mm, he's doing them for the it's kind of like if you you know this is kind of the uh, jedi knight video game thing are you evil because you're using force lightning and choking people or are you evil because of what you're trying to do and the reasons you're doing it yeah it's all good questions and i think of of all of the jedi and the sith luke probably is the most balanced yeah i mean yeah he uses those dark side powers occasionally but he's not doing it out of hate and anger he's doing it out of love for his friends right yeah so i don't know it's interesting and and maybe you know I think you're right that Yoda is just wrong. Yoda yeah. and Obi-Wan are just wrong. Um, and that Luke succeed, succeeds despite himself. Yeah, and the fact that they're all, all lying and manipulating to Luke at every step of the way, at least Obi-Wan is. Yeah, so that's like, what I wonder, too. How can you too, be doing like, good when you're depriving your agent of righteousness agency? I mean, you can also wonder, like, okay, is are, are there multiple paths to success here for Luke, right? And maybe they're trying to guide him down the path of least resistance, and the path of success that they see that as the easiest. Yeah. And maybe he chose one that is more difficult or they, or was kind of a coin toss. Right. Uh. And they were just kind of like, well, it's out of our hands now. Hmm. But you're right. They do feel like they just wrote him off. So he, Luke's path that he went was, you know, like Yoda said, it's difficult to see his future, but Luke was going down a path that was the more more difficult one. Yeah, but a path where he saves his friends, right? Saves his friends and redeems his father. Maybe yeah. Yoda and Ben's path would have had Vader just die without redemption. Sure, and maybe he loses his friends. But, but in the end, he kills the Emperor, right? And brings, quote-unquote, balance again. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about his whole teaching method? Because Yoda's physical training seems essentially to be... Uh, CrossFit in a gym, like Luke is just you know <laughs> okay. he's he's doing chin ups on and, and handstands and swinging on vines and he's rolling tires around and yep doing but flips. I, I didn't I don't know how I feel about this whole let go of your doubts, clear your mind of questions teaching method. Like maybe some I mean, yeah, doubts he's... and some questioning of your teacher's methods when you're talking about invisible spirit powers. Maybe maybe those that's all appropriate. I think he's trying to blank slate him, right? He's trying to get to Tabula Rasa here so he can rebuild him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Mr. Miyagi does with the Karate Kid, right? Yeah. Yoda is essentially Mr. Miyagi. He's trying to get him to not to not think so much about why he's doing what he's doing until the time is right. But, like, when he pulls the, the, the swamp out of the ship, I got the clear impression that Yoda did not expect Luke to be able, even able to do the thing that he did, which was to half pull it out of the swamp. You're right. And he's like, you know, you got to do or do not. There is no try. And then set you up for something that I know you're going to fail at so I can berate you for it. And then show how effort- And then show you that you can get there. And then show you can get there. But it's, I don't know. It's kind of, uh, fuck you, Yoda. <laughs> maybe this is why I never did well in organized sports. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess he could have been a little more cooperative here if he were to show luke here's what you can do eventually now try it now and keep trying it until you get there but i don't know uh i don't believe the x-wing flies after being submerged in the swamp for so long like 
I believe it's not a total loss, but unless you get uh, it back to a base and have it refitted, there's no way you can just go around pulling snakes out of intakes willy-nilly. Like, sure. Like, that's the thing's like, what if Luke hadn't pulled that snake out of the engine intake? Does he get, like, to cruising uh, height and just explode? Probably, Like yeah. a space shuttle? What the fuck? Sure. It's like, yeah. I don't know. And also... It makes it pretty clear that the that the X wing is loaded. There's like a cargo compartment underneath the pilot compartment. How yeah. does Luke get all the shit out if this thing's half submerged in in the lake water uh, or the swamp water? He sends R two under. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you you taste bad to whatever this local hostile yeah. fauna is. Go go up there. Not sure. Maybe there are two compartments. Maybe he's got stuff that he really needs in both compartments. Uh, I have some serious questions about C-3PO. Propound them, please. I'm trying to determine what C-3PO's functioning algorithms are. Like, why? how is he programmed and why is he programmed that way? So, like, do you think C-3PO is running off Asimov's laws? Like, you know, don't do any harm to humans, do what you're told, don't harm yourself, that sort of stuff? Hmm. Hmm. Because it seems to me that his primary motivation in all situations is self-preservation yeah i don't think he's got the it's certainly not by any action or inaction can you allow a human come to harm because he yeah. is complicit with uh fooling and ultimately leading to deaths of many many stormtroopers sure at least. sure uh so yeah i don't think he's got i really think it's self-preservation i really? think his number one priority yeah because he's always like just talking about how so, okay, he does care for humans, clearly, because he's always like, at the beginning, he's like, oh, Master Luke's outside, the storm's coming, he's the one who alerts Han, yeah. and Han decides to go after him. But, like, during the Minox stuff, like, C-3PO is clearly just, like, and the asteroid stuff, in general, he's just like, let's not do this, because the odds are crazy, I'm gonna die, I don't want to go out there. Yeah. Uh, all Like, he's clearly worried about self-preservation, even on Bespin. Hmm. I don't know, because there's a lot of uncomfortable boundary areas with droids. Like, droids seem to be, like, near-human intelligence with emotions, yet they're treated like second-class citizens. And even Luke, I think we talked about this in their last podcast, and not we should have, R2-D2 gets destroyed, Mm -hmm. uh, just blown Mm -hmm. to shit by Darth Vader. Uh, He's melted. 3PO comes in like, oh, my God, please do whatever you can. And Luke's like, whatever, Goldenrod, get the fuck out. I got to go drinking. (laughs) Like, Luke doesn't give a shit. No one cares really about these droids. Certainly not as much as you would about your family pet. Not even close. And then you got, like, okay, so, like, 2-1-B, the surgeon droid that that talks to Luke and and Hoth and dunks him. The official EU canon on them is that these are droids that have human brains. Ooh. installed in into them okay to 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 greater uh allow them to have a patient you know doctor bond and and to have the intelligence required to be a, a an excellent doctor and do surgeon. they speak yeah they do and i'm but i'm like how what is i'm just imagine 21b is like i i have no mouth but i must scream all the time <laughs> like he's in he's in digital hell but he's got no way to express it uh-huh and it's like kind of horrific same thing like those little spider yeah. those spider things crawling around in, in uh, Jabba's yeah. thing. The official exclamation for those is those are some kind of monks that have transcended <laughs> the need for a body and have put their brains into a horrific spider construct. Well, I mean, I guess now all unofficial, right? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, well, I don't know. That stuff, I mean, squash all that, that stuff is in the movie. Okay. And it's not like they, I mean, he's not, 
Uh, J.J. Abrams has not gone uh, full-on reboot. Like, these are a clear continuity from the movies. It's just the expanded universe is what he's throwing away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, to the extent that these are things in a movie and these are the official technical manual explanations for the things in the movie, I don't know whether he's holding to those or not. But you're also right. It it has a little bit of, like... It, they're certainly callous. And I wonder because, like... You got to imagine that all of these droids are backed up somewhere to the cloud or something, right? So their physical bodies sure. destroyed. Like we have that today. Why wouldn't they have it? Because in the galaxy because far, they didn't far have away, the internet in the '80s, so they can conceive. Sure. Like that's the th- same with Star Trek's the same way. Like they, no one saw the global network that now spans our solar. <laughs> they predicted system. all this other stuff, but that now spans it. our solar system. We're sending packets back and forth to Mars. Mm-hmm. No one foresaw that coming. No one. It's true. Yeah. So I don't uh, know that you can take it for granted that they have some kind of Cylon rejuvenation system. Okay, sure. even if they don't. So there's this Minox scene where they're all going outside and, and they're like, nah, C-3PO, you stay here. It's very and, Buck and he's Rogers happy about because it. He's got a, they got just gas masks to go out into the well, yeah. vacuum of space. So, so this asteroid has an atmosphere? What are you, sure. what are you in, trying to tell in, me in here? the heart, yeah. Yeah, uh, you're right. That's a little weird. But C-3PO stays behind, and it's a good thing he does because – once the Minox start attacking the ship and Han shoots the space slug yeah, and he starts waking up, he never would have made it back. Oh, no. I mean, these people who have great balance. Sure. I mean, by all, by all intents and purposes, uh, Han has great balance. Sure. He barely makes it back to the ship in time to get out of there. C-3PO would have been rolling around in that belly forever. Oh, yeah. There's no way. And they just would have left him. Uh, I, without a doubt. Without a doubt, they leave him in that space slug because... I mean, Leia the switches way that... him off for being <laughs> yep. annoying. That's the yeah. digital equivalent of, like, chloroforming an annoying friend. Uh-huh. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Put the rag over their mouth. And he wakes up, what, four hours later and is like, what, did what, you what get, happened? Yeah, what what, did you... We switched you off because you wouldn't shut up. What happened? Fill me in, you know? Well, and then, like, what like about... they treat him like he's a service droid, not not a compatriot. What about Lobot? Oh, see, that's interesting, because he is... He's Lando's some, some butler, kind of but he's got... Bio-life form, right? Yeah, he looks like a person. But he has, like, a computer brain that enhances his brain? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, like, so he's some kind of, uh, you know, technological mintat from... But what is the yeah. implication of that? Like, he just sits there and shuts down until Lando needs him? Like... It's some yeah, of this I, stuff is uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, like, uh, and of course, Star Wars doesn't give a shit about this. This is stuff that Star, Star Trek worries about, like Data. Like, what's Data's yeah. deal? Is Data think he's a slave? Can the Federation just clone? Like, they deal with that. Star Wars, they never. I don't even think in the expanded universe ever deal with the fact of these droids. What kind of rights they have? Yeah, Star Wars is a fantasy adventure. But film there are like mind. bounty hunters that are droids running yeah. around there completely autonomous. IG eighty eight. Yeah. Which, by the way, the uh, bounty hunter scene in the middle of the movie launched a whole series of novels. And, oh, yeah. And, and a whole bunch of, uh, of the MC Chris songs. That's true, yeah. Uh, some of them more successful than others. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm just saying that the, the whole droid-cyborg relationship here is is a little bit problematic for me as an adult dealing yeah. with, with social issues. I do really love... Uh... Han and Leia's relationship in this sure. movie. Well, first of all, Leia is a just straight up badass. Yeah, she's she can fight. She can fix starships. She is. She's she, she's she can, the ultimate princess. She, right? <laughs> she can. In, yeah, no, she can infiltrate a base and save. Like you know, Han saves her in the first movie. She saves Han in the the, the third. I mean, she kind of arguably saves them all in the first. Like the trash compactor. 
uh, true. scene. Like, get in there. I don't care what you smell. The Han had of... everything under control until she let him down there. So. <laughs> of course. Han always <laughs> has everything under control. Uh, uh, but I, I, I just noticed, like, the kind of the sort of tragedy of this relationship. Like, they are two very driven people doing their own thing. And they, you know, if they were less driven or the circumstances were less dire, they probably would have been, you know, happily ever after in, in this movie. Mm. But they're not. Clearly not. I mean, they <laughs> they both kind of are going their own ways unless the Empire interferes. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what the relationship is like in a new in the new Star Trek or Star Wars because yeah, yeah. You know, if you watch the trailers, you know that there is still they have some kind of relationship. Is it going to be? I hope it's not some bullshit Marion Ravenwood Indiana Jones where they've been they've grown apart for the last thirty years, but now they're thrown together as adventure. I could maybe see I kind of hope they've just that. been I kind of hope they've just been coupled up this this whole time. I mean, that's the EU stuff, right? If yeah, you're going sure. by that, they get married, they have kids, all this stuff. Yeah. So. I don't need Maybe. them to have kids and, and, and all that, although that would be kind of cool. But if it's it's if it's Marion and Indy, I don't I don't know if I like that. Okay. Like you just come on. And JJ's gotta know. He's he saw the horrific fourth Indiana Jones. It's he, true. He surely can't have been impressed by that. Although he is a big Spielberg fan. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the part in review where we just start talking about random shit, yeah. Okay, sure. Uh first of all, John Ratzenberger is in Empire Strikes Back. You blew my Cliff, mind Cliff with this Clavin fact. Cliff from Cheers, the voice of the pig bank and Toy Story, is one of the deck <laughs> officers in Hoth. And once you start looking for him, it's not hard to see him. He's just an extremely young Cliff Clavin. He's got the iconic mustache. Mm. It's his no. I mean, it's the same guy. He's just skinnier and a hell of a lot younger. It shocked me because I'd never seen it. General Veers is Grandmeister Pycelle from Game of Thrones. He also yeah. plays Donovan, the... Uh, uh, American Nazi sympathizer that picks the wrong grail in uh, the Last Crusade. All oh, the same guy. Okay. Uh, he's hmm. had a very quietly successful nerd fantasy career. Apparently so. What else? Any other big cameos I need to know about? I can't think of any. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else we want to talk about. Like, uh, I really love the design of the probe droid. Yeah. But That's that cool. is a really, really cool. All the design medicine. in this is... It's true. Ralph McQuarrie, um, man. Top to bottom. Bespin is amazing looking. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't get over how good all of the technical stuff in this universe sure. looks. Yeah, like the idea, like, that's a really cool idea that you've got a floating city on a gas giant mining gas. That's a yeah. fucking cool idea. It makes sense. <laughs> uh, I For my money, this is the all-time best movie theme. This is the best music of any movie. Uh, and it's got the single best move. The the Imperial March okay. is the greatest theme of, of, of all time. And the asteroid I music, largely agree, yeah. Like, if I'm on my motorcycle and I'm on a particularly twisty road, I'm either humming the asteroid music or I'm humming the theme to Airwolf. There's no exception. Okay. Like, I just... I, I feel like all of this music is so great. The the uh the Leia and Han motif that runs through the um the, the the carbon freezing scene yeah where you know that's like uh you know the I love you I know sequence that's mm-hmm. great the music swelling Classic. and Chewbacca's care you know f- fucking moaning and groaning yep it's on one of the best sets ever made here here's a here's a contentious contentious subject contentious what's that there's a lot of comedy of Chewie and Han just fixing their ship in the first quarter of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
And while I was watching this, I see why Lucas thought some of the stuff in the first movie with Jar Jar getting his lip shocked and slapstick around the the garage and, and things like that, why he thought that would be a good idea. Because honestly, I don't know what the broad difference of Han and Chewie screaming at each other and, and bumbling and no, not this, do this. And what are you doing? And slapping around droids and stuff. I don't understand why that works. And the other stuff didn't except for, we care about Han and Chewie mm-hmm. and we know the relationship. So it's just kind of funny to see in a life or death cir- circumstance, Han desperately trying to get this piece of shit, awesome hot rod off the ground. Why, why does the humor in this work where the humor in the prequels kind of mostly falls flat? I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I felt like the that stuff in Empire Strikes Back was doing some form of characterization for for Han and Chewie. Uh, whereas in the prequels, I kind of already just knew Jar Jar is a dummy, and I don't need him stepping in poop. But we didn't find anything new about you know. Well, Chewbacca we kind of see the relationship Han. they have with this this ship uh, as well, and I mean, we kind of know it from the first one, but I. I I don't know. Maybe it's unnecessary, and maybe it should. No, I, I, I think should, it's my great. alarms I, should go up. But this movie would be almost like unbearably it. dark if it wasn't for some of it. And also, yeah. like, why is three PO funny and Jar Jar's not? They're both fundamentally very silly, stupid characters. That's job is to get in trouble and make the heroes' lives kind of mm-hmm. annoyance. See, they're like the anti R two. R two. Uh, brings a lot to the table and doesn't take anything off. Yeah. 3PO brings some stuff to the table, but he's also bring, you know, takes a lot of stuff off as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why Jar Jar is not the equivalent of C3PO in this movie. Uh, I just, you know, the other maybe it's because cool. I saw this as a kid and doesn't like, I'm just used to it. And when yeah. I see Jar Jar as an adult, I roll my eyes. It's funny because like so many things I see in this movie are clearly, or maybe they're not. I feel like they're clear, like snow. The fact that there are snow troopers, mm-hmm. it's got to be just for toys, right? I imagine. But so. But on the other hand, they look fucking cool. Like I, yeah. like, well, of course you would need a special. Like the, you know, the rebels aren't wearing the same uniform they wore uh, in the jungles of Yavin. Why would the stormtroopers be expected to go on an ice planet in their, uh, you know, long stormtrooper underwear? I mean, unless. The the they're like spacesuits, right? Unless they're internally heated and cooled and all these things. I figured they were because like we see them ap- operating in the vacuum of space in A New Hope. There are several stormtroopers outside the docking bay that the Millennium Falcon pu- pulls into. Hmm. Like this, you know, like now yeah, maybe maybe right. that's oxygenated out there too, but I don't think it is. I mean, it's outside the force field. I wouldn't think so. Unless you're oxygenating that whole trench area and all that kind of stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't. To me, I was. All right. Well, maybe they, they are. Were... In that case, I don't know why they would need different outfits. Maybe it is just toys. Like, I guess. Uh, maybe it is just to sell toys. Because why? It why could couldn't be. you just have stormtroopers? Yeah. I do like how the Wampa loses an arm, just like the bartender does, or the the guy at the bar, not the bartender, yeah. loses his arm in the first one. Nice little symmetry there. Kind of almost looks the same. They fall in similar ways. True. Do you think it was a a, a blatant homage, self homage? I imagine. Yeah. What well, you know? The other thing we haven't talked about is Lando. Okay. Because that's the thing. Like that's another thing I I know as a kid is like I never the fact that Lando as this really cool black dude running this giant uh, administrative facility and being friends with Han Solo, it never occurred to me that that was some kind of progressive. 
And okay. I suppose sure. it was. Like it was yeah, just like 70s, this is definitely. And he's like, I think he's the first non lily white person that's not obviously not an alien in the entire well, and of course you know, James Earl Jones. But he's the first yeah. on screen non white person and it's just a matter of fact deal. Yeah, I think you're right. He is. Uh it the thing that I love is I love the the dubious friendship they have going on. Like you can tell. So Lando, it, he calls him an old smoothie, and he is. Yeah, he's definitely a smoothie. He's hitting on Leia from the jump, right in front of Han. Right in front of Han, and you can tell that he's not going to let up. Right, Han's mm-hmm. going to have to fend off these advances yes. constantly. Yes, and that's just kind of who he's accepted as a person. Lando is. Uh huh. And I think it's really interesting that like he takes seriously maybe Lando's threat at the beginning. Like mm. you got a lot of nerve coming back here. The relationship that they build in just a few scenes with these guys sure. is is really well done, and that's what I mean about like you know the directorial intent. I feel like there isn't really a wasted moment in this film. Uh-huh. Whereas New Hope, eh, it's it's got some moments where I'm like maybe I I didn't need that or it didn't say as much as I could have. Uh, but this one I feel is economic, certainly. Opinion. Yeah. What's your favorite Star? If you had, if you could own one Star Wars prop, what Star Wars prop would you own? Oh man! Because see, I, I feel Star like Wars a lot prop. of I feel like a lot of people would say like Luke's lightsaber or Obi Wan's lightsaber or Darth Vader's lightsaber. Yeah, I, I never thought the lights uh, like a lightsaber hand. The lightsaber itself would be cool if you could actually have a lightsaber, but it's just a handle, like. That's true. Yeah, it's a hilt. For my money, Han's blaster pistol is the one prop if I could own anyone. Because you could actually take that off the shelf and hold it in your hand. It's got heft. It's got weight. You can hold it and go pew, pew. Like, I feel like that's – if I could own one prop, one Star Wars prop, that would be the one I'd want to. Yeah, that's definitely a cool one. I'd even put the Stormtrooper's blaster, that E-11. I'd put that above a a, a lightsaber hilt. What is Hans like a DL four DL forty four DL forty four? Okay, yeah, I mean that might be the the coolest one because you're right, lightsabers kind of cliche at this point. Uh, so many people have like they they make official replicas. Sure, I mean they, I think they make official replicas of Hans gun too. And I I have made like a, a um a replica of a of a lightsaber handle. Uh huh. That I I don't know what happened. I feel like I I lost it in the divorce. Not like. With lawyers, just that I wasn't in my own house for six months. And I want the lightsaber. And yeah, like I moved into an empty house. I'm pretty sure it's like this box of shit's just getting thrown away. Um, But one of my clients (laughs) when I was doing independent uh, freelance development work was a a EDM machine shop. Mm -hmm. And he machined me like a really nice, like all the parts I needed to make a a lightsaber. And it was not screen uh, accurate, but I wasn't interested in... In uh, destroying another piece of you know ancient photography thing that like all the old school photogra- you know, photographers are always complaining about uh, the Star Wars guys fucking up their f- Turbo Graphics Flex handle or whatever the fuck it is just to, <laughs> just to make a, a yep. yeah just to make a, a lightsaber handle. Uh, no, tested Tested did an amazing video on uh, the Hans blaster where mm. they they deconstructed it and they looked at it and they said. They got all the replicas they could find, the yeah. different types that are out there and stuff. Because there's some and, really weird stuff. Like it's it's the flash handle from an old camera for the lightsaber. The there's a yeah. very particular like 
windshield wiper off of a German automobile that makes like fins. the cooling fins of uh-huh. the stormtrooper rifles. There's a lot of like weirdly weird. If you want screen accurate, and that's that you got to source and hunt down. Yeah, they were talking about this UK machining shop that made the the guns yeah. that they used, and they were real like real guns with the barrels kind of machined out mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, like just. It's really cool. Look up, look for it on tested, and you you can find it under Hans Blaster. If you were making a replica, would you insist on using like? Would you want the flash handle? Would you want the oh yeah the German winch, or would you be fine with someone making a, a uh, like machining a custom piece that's screen accurate? Oh, if it's screen accurate, I'm fine with that. But like, it's, I get it. it still, like, if it doesn't look the that. same, then it doesn't look the same. But I don't understand yeah. why some people give like if you've got. Something that looks identical to the flash handle or the windshield wiper blade. Yeah. Why? I mean, somebody would you... machined those handles. You know that, right? <laughs> like, yeah, right. Somebody There's machined this a... flash handle. Yeah. Like, did you do you need your stormtrooper rifle to be spiritually wiping rain away from the autobahn at some point in its yeah. life? Like, what the fuck? I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's weird. Yeah, it's like lab created versus natural diamond. Like, I mean, I guess it's slightly cooler if you use the the sure. same original parts that they did but if it's screen accurate who cares uh can we talk about the final scene which i think is right. the one thing that i think you can you can get a clear sense of hope like even though this movie's been yes. the good guys getting their ass kicked up and down one side of the galaxy to the other that final shot of them outside of their galaxy which also gives you kind of like <sighs> that's why i always came down for the star wars when we had the star wars versus star trek debates like they just casually fly outside of their galaxy hmm. for j- just just to you know be around nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think like, it's to hide. It, it takes Voyager ninety three years or whatever to get from one quadrant of a galaxy to another. The, Luke and their buddies just like pop yeah. out, like eh, want to pop speed. out a couple hundred thousand light years just just for just for shits and grins. How many parsecs do you think it took? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They probably have to do at least point five past light speed, whatever the fuck that means. Uh, it's very inspiring in for a downer movie. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Also featuring, and especially, it's still kind of a downer because Han's not there. Yeah, to celebrate with them, but sure. but yeah, it's it's as hopeful as you can get. Plus, I love the ship design. Like, goddamn, I'll, I'll, yeah, you know, we're talking about the the cor the Corvette, the Nebulan B frigate. Mm-hmm. The Mon Calamari cruisers—they just uh, the the rebel ships look as cool in their way as the Imperial ones do, especially the yep. Nebulans. Like I still have uh, nightmares because they are pound for pound the hardest hitting motherfuckers in the X-wing Tie Fighter series. Like mm-hmm. I would rather go against three star destroyers than one <laughs> fucking frigate when it's decided it's just going to fucking kill you because uh-huh. at least you can play around the shield generators of the isds but you just got to beat down that frigate and it's got blazers coming from it's weird it's like i feel like that the star destroyer had the same amount of turbo lasers as the nebulan bees but the nebulan bee is like a quarter of its size yeah so it's just just concentrated focused hurt coming at you where you could kind of weave in and out of the the star Mm -hmm. destroyer and it was a much bigger target yeah you're right i wonder if that's the fault of the game makers or if that's meant to be that way what else do we need to talk about? I think I've got about most of like I had a couple things like I. One thing we didn't talk about is that Vader. Um, I, I've been thinking about now that I'm a father, the Luke and Vader confrontation from Vader's point of view. 
like what did he want like in his fondest hope what did he want out of that out of that relationship versus what he got like what was it like to be this kid's father and have him scream in horror when you reveal (laughs) that yeah so not the reaction he wanted well, I mean, like, I just like if if the there's reaction... any if there's any heart left inside of him, like, is was that the start of his redemption? The fact that his like, you know, Vader's so <laughs> consumed with power and the dark side at this point that it doesn't even occur to him that hey, if I offer you the same deal that it was offered me, mm-hmm. although I guess that was to save. Uh, of course, that's the way Vader frames it too. The only way you can really save your friends and and yeah. and your, is is to join me and like, hey, the Emperor is a as a douchebag, we can fix all this stuff. Do you think that Vader believed that? Because, you know, you, the one thing I came away with the the the, the um, Revenge of the Sith is that at some point, Vader can't really buy this story Palpatine's, you know, giving him. Like, oh, I, you know, it's like, oh, Which you're... Vader? Like, Vader in Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, Vader in Revenge of the Sith, when Palpatine says, like, you know, what happened to Padme? He's like, oh, in your great anger, you killed her. Mm -hmm. Well, the whole reason I did this is to be able to bring people back to life. Bring, you know, obviously he didn't bring Padme back to life. Um, I I just wonder, do you think that Vader actually believes, like, there's still, like, like, he, if him and his son get together... Like, yeah, he'll still be in the black armor and they'll still be in the Empire and all that, but maybe they can actually save the galaxy in a positive way? Or do you think well, he's just so power think, mad at this point? I think Vader's definition of, you know, ruling the galaxy together and having... I think his definition of it is this conflict ending because we will squash the rebellion out of existence. Like... It will only be the Empire, and it will be the way we want it but to they, be. But he's talking about overthrowing the Empire at this point. The Emperor at this point, too. The Emperor, yes. But he, like, I, I guess, yeah, the Emperor is not running it the way he wants to run it. Hmm. Uh, or the Emperor has been unable to squash the Rebellion, maybe, because he's not as powerful as Luke and Vader would be together. Hmm. Like, that's that's the thing I think Darth Vader understands, is that he and his son would be more powerful together than he and the Emperor are. Yeah. Um. Because, you know, Anakin's the most powerful, and therefore Luke is also super powerful. Uh, but I, I think his definition of success here is get Luke to join him, squash the rebellion, empire all the way. Like, with those two at the head. Like, kill the emperor, get him out of there, and yeah. Yeah, defeat the emperor and the rebellion. But do you think that he would see that as a good, I mean, like a capital G good thing? Like, like if Vader and yeah. Luke were running, the, he thinks that that would be, like, they would be a force for righteousness, is I guess what I'm trying to get at. Well, that's the thing. His view of, his view is distorted, right? Because Anakin's his always sense was of righteousness with the bureaucracy destroyed. and, you know, like his formative yeah. moment was seeing the Senate do nothing while Padme's city got, or planet got plowed. Sure. Uh, it's like the least violent military occupation where no one really died. And people were suffering, but not really. Yeah, no, I. that's what I mean. Like, his version of good is very different from someone else's version of good. It's more selfish. It's more um, things need to be the way that I want them to be, and that's his version of good. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I expect to happen if Luke joins him. Okay. Uh, man, I could go on and on. Like, this, I just, you know, I could talk about the design of the AT-ATs and how well they're animated and how just fucking pitiless they are. Um, 
just, yeah, just so many the, great models. So yeah, like this the fact the, how cool Bo- Boba Fett's Slave One is. I go on and on, but like they're just essentially me. Like, wasn't isn't that cool? Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's an interesting conversation to have. Uh, so yeah, I think this is as good a place as any to leave it. I mean, I guess did we really answer like why this is our favorite? I think feel like it. Yeah, is it just because it's, it's more adult? I feel like it's age. Like to this day. I'm down to watch Empire whenever. Sure. Like, I very rarely watch the other movies and <laughs> just, you know, just sit down like, hey, I'm going to watch watch Empire or I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch Return of the Jedi and certainly the, the, the prequels. Um, but Empire is kind of on the Godfather level where on the rare time if I see it on television and I'm in the middle of it, I would watch it. And there's times where I just pop on Empire to watch Empire. Hmm. I think uh, all three of the... The and, original trilogy are like that for me. And that's the thing. Like, I don't... So it was like Godfather's my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. But that's with me removing the sentiment of my childhood from it. If I just go sure. from like, my favorite movie, just yeah. most enjoyable and most fun and most fond memories and what it's contributed most to my life, Empire's there a mile ahead of everybody else. N- nobody has sentimental childhood memories of the godfather nobody no because that's not a movie that you're an interesting person (laughs) you're a very interesting person you are yeah maybe the kid that played michael's son okay sure and the first guy running around in tomatoes and marlon brando fucking with him with the orange peels and stuff Uh maybe he's got really fun childhood memories of the godfather which he distorts with reality right like (laughs) interchangeable like that time that i did that the Godfather and I did this orange thing. And yeah, remember garden. my granddad died when I was chasing around with the poison and tomato. Like that was crazy. <laughs> no, son, that happened. Yeah, that was really in a you, movie. You killed that man with that pesticide. What were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, so I, I totally understand that, and I, I feel the same way. Godfather is a better movie, but not as important to me. No, if we get around to reviewing all these Star Wars, it would be it'd be interesting. I don't I don't know what our like. Think long and hard, Commissioner, before you pull the trigger on the prequels. Because, yes. uh, like, it's great if you want to give a spirit to defense, but you're not, I can't imagine you're going to say anything that's going to change your mind. And we're probably just going to bitch yeah. and whine the whole time about what a missed opportunity it was. Because we used to sit around for years talking about what we want to see in the prequels and what we think is going to happen and what if we do this and what if they do that? And Oh my God, we found out Boba Fett's going to be in and what's that going to be like? And, and then the gap between what we wanted and what we got is so, so, so vast. Yeah. You know, especially since, yeah, I, I, sure. I, we don't need to go on about it, but yes, you're right. If I'm just like, you know, I, I would, I would hate for you. Here be dragons. If you commission. Yeah. For your eighth, ninth and 10th podcast. If it's just us shitting on something you love, that might be rough. Um, so just, 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 I'm, I'd be happy to do it. I'd be happy. I got, I I could go where we're like an hour 20 on this. I go an hour 20 is how much I retroactively hate the prequels because that's the thing. Like I've talked about this before. I was a staunch defender of the prequels up until Revenge of the Sith. And it was weird amongst my fan, fan group. I walked out of Revenge of the Sith. This is a fucking disaster. This thing, I wasn't swearing at the time. This is just horseshit. <laughs> because, like, I was expecting that to make the rest of the stuff worth it. And yeah, then yeah, it was yeah. just there and didn't really answer any of the things or all the stuff that Lucas said is important. That's when my disillusionment set in in full force. Whereas mm. you guys. 
were kind of pissed from the jump and didn't give a shit. And so you're like, oh, yeah, Sith was actually a decent movie. Yeah. It was so weird. I, I, we thought it was better than the other two. I've, yeah, I was the odd man out at every single step of the way. Hmm. Yeah, there, there was a time where I liked the first one. And that time was about 48 hours into the experience. <laughs> well, uh, it's interesting. Because, yeah, that was also true about our friend group. The first, I don't think anyone walked out of that movie saying that was a piece of shit. No. We all saw it many, multiple times. Oh, my God. How many times did we see it in the theater? Five? Uh, I saw it at least five times in the theater. I, I think my number I is I have friends five. who saw it, like, a lot of times, like, 14 times. Well, there was this deal back on the internet where people were, like, the Star Wars nerds were urging, like, going to see multiple times because we all wanted it to dethrone Titanic. Yeah, yeah. And when it was clear that that wasn't going to happen... You know, and we've all, it's, it's a kind of like a double whammy disappointment. Like, we've seen it enough now to, like, wow, this movie's really long. And there's some stretches that are just, like, groan-worthy. And, like, man, I'm actually bored during the pod race sequence. And uh, this Jar Jar guy, he's the worst. And this doesn't make sense what's going on at Darth Maul. And, uh, you know, then then you don't even get it over the fucking Titanic movie. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Cameron versus Disney. You know, like is Avatar gonna desperate? Avatar's still number one, right? All time box office. I don't know. Is that true? I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, if we if we go Avatar versus this new Star Wars, I don't know, man. This new Star Wars has a lot of potential to make a lot of money. Oh, sure. Because you've got not only you know us who are yeah, like Avatar 17... is the if unadjusted for inflation because I think adjusted for inflation yeah. either Gone of the Wind or King Kong ki- kicks everybody's ass. Oh, jeez. But yeah, all-time worldwide box office. Uh, Titanic made or Avatar made almost a hundred billion more than Titanic, which is okay. it's like you know that's those are both Cameron movies. So yeah. who gives a shit? So we'll see. I, I think this next one has a lot of potential because it has more a bigger demographic. Right? Whereas I think I think Avatar has very little to offer other than the spectacle. Because okay. I remember really yeah. being impressed by that. And, you know, it made a lot of money because it was fun to see and it was great to see in 3D. And mm-hmm. it was one of the first truly kind of experience type movies in 3D. But. You want a shocking revelation? What's that? You've not seen it? I've still never seen Avatar. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's not bad. Yeah. It's I missed it in not... 3D in the theater. So I'm like, what's the point? It's not even. I mean, I would watch Titanic again, mm-hmm. uh, although I saw that. I think three times in the theater and the third time I remember thinking, I never want to see this movie again. It's been like 15 years. I would be interested in seeing Titanic again. Avatar. I don't really care if I ever see again. I saw it twice once in 3d and then once non 3d. I can't remember how I ended up seeing it twice, but yeah, I I don't think like I need, it's like a moral of like a, you know, riding a ride at an amusement park. I, I did it once and I don't need to do it again. All right. Well, I'm kind of, I'm excited for the new one nominally. You know, sure. Trying to keep my expectations. Uh, That's the thing. Reserved. It's getting harder because, like, up until a month ago, I was like, "I'm not excited. I'm not unexcited. I'm going to see Star Wars because, of course, I'm going to see Star Wars." Uh, but I didn't feel one way or another. I'm finding it very hard not to get excited. Yeah, the trailers are pretty because good. my son's like coming on strong with the Star Wars, and we played a lot of battle. Even as as of a mess that Battlefield is, it's got split screen screen co op. Yeah, and it's a hoot. You know, and then my son, as soon as we get done playing, he goes to his Lego box and he starts playing Lego Star Wars. 
<laughs> and it's just like I got that whole thing. So if it's like not a mess and he loves it, I'm going to probably love it too. Yeah. But I don't know how I feel just as a as a fan. I'm you know I got burnt. We'll see. I got burnt by the prequels. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, that's it. Yeah, that's thanks it. again, Andrew. We really appreciate you commissioning yeah. yet another podcast, uh, another really fun one that I just giggled at the fact that I got paid to do this. Um, if you'd like to commission your very own podcast, go to uh, baldmove.com slash shop and you can find out how you can either join the community commission podcast to to save a bit of money by collaborating with others. Uh, we're going to be refreshing that in the very near future uh, or you can also just uh, do what Andrew does and just pull one down, make the executive decision, make us watch a piece of entertainment. We got a lot of more fun ones coming up uh, in the weeks ahead and the year ahead. Honestly, we've still got like 10 of these. We've got a backlog on. Sure. So again, thanks again, Andrew. And we'll, we'll see you on the next one. See you.